Welcome to Locked on Flames. Today we look back on the playoff run that was for the Calgary Flames as we name our three best and worst Flames players this postseason. Plus, it's our last episode of the week, which means we will have the winners and losers as well. I'm Jess Belmosto alongside Sean Lavery. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on Flames for free wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each day. We have a list-filled episode today, so I hope mm. everybody's ready. Mm-hmm. I thought about today we could have like gone crazy with off-season stuff, but I mean, we have five months or something to do that, so <laughs> uh, let's just take it slow for now and just kind of look back on, on what was for the Flames, obviously, and, and it wasn't very great. Uh, but let's try and start positive, Jess. If yeah. we're going to do like a three-stars thing, like Obviously, three stars is three best players. I couldn't come up with the three stars for three worst players. Um, so we'll just do three best, three worst. Keep it simple. Uh, who would be your third best flame of the entire playoff run? Uh, you know, I would say Milan Lucic. Um, you know, he provided that veteran presence in the locker room, which probably kept the energy going for as long as it did. And then... Um, Obviously, he had a really nice point streak going there, and he's still intimidating every time he steps out on the ice. He was, he was a, he had a very good playoffs, I guess is is the way yeah. to put it. Um, I mean, he's obviously turned things around for for me. We I've talked about that a lot, where you know I wasn't his biggest fan, but the way he played, especially against Winnipeg, was amazing, and he was, you know one-third of the Flames' best line of the whole series. Or sorry, not the whole series, the whole playoffs. So, um, yeah, I could totally see Lucic earning some credit and getting some love. Although he did his game six. And I guess this would be a theme for a lot of our best players. Like, if we just ignore their game six and just look at everything else, this is kind of where our list uh, comes to life. Because game six, I think no one would really be (laughs) the best Flame of the night on game six. Everyone would get a failure for that day. For my third best flame, I'll go with Rasmus Anderson. Uh, He led all the defensemen in points uh, this postseason, um, totaling five of them. Uh, Two of those actually came on a penalty kill. Um, He was just a minute behind Mark Giordano when it comes to time on ice per game. So, um, you know, he was one of those guys who was playing a lot of minutes most nights. And, you know, Rasmus was making a a big impact, uh, positive impact on most nights as well. And it was really nice to see him. And Noah Hannafin, like, just gelled well together. There wasn't really any concern with any of the Flames pairings at all about, you know, guys playing with certain guys. Like, you know, sometimes you get worried about your defensive partner, but that wasn't an issue for any of the Flames pairs, uh, especially the Anderson and Hannafin ones. So, um, you know, Rasmus Anderson, he's he's shown a lot of potential to be one of those top defensemen um, in the Flames franchise for a long time. And then these playoffs, you know, just cemented that for me. So, that's why he earns uh, my number three spot. Or you have Lucic in your number three spot. How about your number two? Uh, I have Rasmus Anderson as well. Uh, when he or he came on my radar big time when Travis Hamonic opted out, and everybody kind of said, "Okay, now it's time for Anderson to step up and fill those shoes, fill the void." And I think he did that. I think he you know, you listed off all the reasons why he proved himself. And I think that it's really good to see, especially from someone who lacks experience a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I totally forgot about the Hamannick opt-out. Like, I don't know if if you were in the same boat where 
as the playoffs progressed, like yeah. Hamannick just kind of, you know, was forgotten about. And uh, we totally understand why he opted out, but uh, it's a good sign, I think, for the Flames that people maybe forgot about Hamannick because there wasn't mm-hmm. really a point where we were like, oh, I wish we had another defenseman to replace so-and-so who might be struggling. That no, that was never a conversation at all. So um, you have Anderson at two. That's awesome. My number two uh, is Sam Bennett. Um, he could be the number one, I think. Sam Bennett has a case to be the number one. Uh, he had the most goals and was tied for the most points on the Flames these playoffs. Um, he had eight points in the playoffs when he had just 12 points in the regular season. Uh, when I read he had 12 points in the regular season, I literally had to triple check that just to make sure. So he almost tied his regular season mount in the, in the playoffs, I guess. Uh, and then he, on top of the scoring, he made that physical impact as well that we all know him to make in the, in the playoffs. He led the NHL in hits with 54 and at the time the Flames were eliminated, no other NHL player had even 40 body checks while Sam Bennett was at 54. So it's another year of playoff Sam Bennett doing what playoff Sam Bennett does and making an impact. And then now it's also another year of wondering if he's going to finally flip the switch and, and kind of bring some of that great play into the regular season. So Sam Bennett's my number two guy. How about your number one, Jess? Cam Talbot. You know, we talked a lot about the goalie situation back before, you know, the whole series or really the whole playoff run started. And I think he proved himself and he carried the, the whole playoff run on his back. He postseason MVP, just, I don't know. Like you can't praise him enough. Right. And Cam Talbot's the epitome of, I forget game six against the stars, but um, he's also my number one, you know, my, my first star, I guess, for the flames playoff run, you know, he turned that position that we, you and I were questioning the most going into the playoffs into the position we questioned the least because every night we knew it was going to be Cam Talbot starting in net. So um, you kind of mentioned it all. Like he was described by his own franchise as the MVP of the playoffs. So, I mean, it's hard to argue with that. Uh, so quickly recap here, our, our best three flames of the playoffs that was, uh, Jess has Lucic at number three, Rasmus Anderson at number two, and Cam Talbot at number one. I have Rasmus Anderson at number three, Sam Bennett at number two, and Cam Talbot at number one. Coming up next segment, we'll flip gears a little bit. We'll go from the best to the worst. We'll get into our three worst flames of the playoffs, and I'm betting that most listeners are able to guess at least a good portion of both of our lists, Jess. But first, uh, I want to tell everyone about Built Bar. Built Bar is changing the game when it comes to protein bars, Jess. And you and I both know, and I think we both have experience, of eating that you know typical protein bar that just tastes awful. And it feels awful, too. And it's, you know, sometimes eating healthy is, is gross because you'd rather have fried chicken than broccoli perhaps, but uh, Built Bar is kind of changing the game where it's a great healthy bar, but it also is delicious and and almost chocolate bar-esque. And Jess, you've had these before. Mm-hmm. Is it literally like a chocolate bar? Like, is this yes. a joke or no? No, it's legit. It kind of reminds me of like, like a Three Musketeers bar, I guess. Very delicious, very enjoyable to eat <laughs> compared to other protein bars that are just gross and grainy and just you know you get a bite into it and you're like why did I spend my money on this exactly so built bar is all about losing or maintaining the weight that you have while indulging in a delicious treat the bars are low calorie low sugar high protein and high fiber and they're great for a keto diet if that's what uh, 
you're in the middle of right now. And they have 18 amazing flavors. They have their 12 original ones, which everyone knows and loves. And they've also added six new flavors, some of which include caramel brownie, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp, just to name a few. Um, just breaking down one quick bar quickly, we'll look at the coconut almond bar. That's 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, just five grams of sugar, and five grams of net carbs. So obviously the bars are healthy and delicious, but another thing that's great about Built Bar is with most podcast ads, you get that promo code and you can only use it once. Built Bar, if you go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on, you'll get $10 off your next order, at least for the next little while here. So uh, you could stock up as many times as you'd like and you get $10 off when you use that promo code locked on at builtbar.com for the next little while. Plus, for as long as the supplies last, you'll also get a free cooler with the purchase. So go to builtbar.com, use that promo code locked on, which is one word, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. Locked on Flames continues. Don't forget to follow Sean and I on Twitter. I'm at Jessica Belmosto, and Sean is at Sean underscore Lavery. The most disappointing flames. Yes, and Jess, I'm going to lead or let the listeners a little behind the curtain here. You and I are on opposite ends of the continent, and so, you know, to prep and kind of get ready for the show, we just work on a Google Doc that we can both edit. And for our, for our list, we often make tables, and you and I have the same player, spoiler alert, for <laughs> our number three worst flame. We both have Zach Ronaldo. And I don't want to steal your thunder by any means, but I love your description. Like I kind of tried to write little stats and things like that. <laughs> you just have one bullet point, two words, just terrible. What was yep. just terrible about Zach Ronaldo? Like why did he drive you nuts oh, these playoffs? I, oh my God. He just is the bane of my existence really. But um, just the ridiculous penalties he took and how whenever he was in the lineup, it seemed – like the fourth line wasn't on the ice a lot. So the other lines had to kind of compensate for that. And unfortunately they just couldn't. And I just, I've had enough of him. Yeah. I mean, thank goodness his contract expires. So Seriously. I would, I would, if they bring him back, I'm, I'm going to quit locked on flames. I'm going to say that right now. <laughs> Zach Ronaldo gets re-signed. I'm leaving the show. Maybe I'll go join someone else. Um, yeah. You, you nailed it all. Like he played six minutes um, per game on average and, you know, took a penalty almost every time. Right. He had four penalty yep. minutes when he just played for six minutes. Right. So his penalty minutes were almost equal to his time on ice, which is bananas. Um, and the fourth line ice time being brought down, you know, they, they were, when Ronaldo was out of the lineup, the fourth line was playing, you know, around 10 and a half minutes per game. And then when he was in the lineup, Ronaldo, it was closer to six. So, um, that's a big shift and a big change. And, you know, all I can say is, you know, thank you, Zach, for your time, but thank God your contract expires. Um, how about number two, Jess, who's your, who's your second, I guess, worst flame of these playoffs? Same as yours again. Elias Lindholm but I just I felt like we were gonna see him come alive and he just fell flat for me yeah and I wonder too like I mentioned earlier about the the media speculating about Mm -hmm. him being banged up and you know I obviously would kind of read between the lines on that and say he was so yes Lindholm is also my second worst flame of these playoffs but you know I kind of there's a part of me that feels like it's it's not really his fault, if that makes sense. Maybe mm-hmm. he was just banged up or or things like that. And I mean, for me personally, he did never look right. So I wouldn't be shocked at all about an injury um, affecting him. 
Um, but three Flames defensemen had more shots on goal than Lindholm these entire playoffs, which is Oof. that's bad considering you know Lindholm being a first liner and, and everything like that. And sure, he might be a a passer and, and a guy who sets up a lot of goals, but to have three defensemen, one of who is Eric Gustafson, uh, outshoot one of your first liners, not the best. So um, no. I also want to read one quote that Scott Crookshank read or wrote in the Athletic about Lindholm and. You know, Scott wrote, leading up to these playoffs, he noted that Lindholm noted that uh, against Colorado, he got sidetracked looking for the physical contact rather than concentrating on, you know, scoring, which is what Lindholm always does. Uh, These playoffs, however, it was, you know, exactly the same as last year against Colorado, where Lindholm didn't really produce too much offensively, but he was second on the team in hits. So uh, I wonder if Lindholm kind of has a little bit of Sam Bennett in him in the playoffs where he kind of focuses on the physical side of things more than scoring. Um, which would be bad for Lindholm because unlike Bennett, you know, Lindholm is such a great <laughs> offensive player and, and contributes to a first line. Um, so it was a tough playoff for him and, a, and obviously his whole line as well, which is where we transition to our, our worst flame of the playoffs. Jess, do you want to start us off? Yeah. I mean, I think this is kind of disappointing to have to say that, uh, you know, Johnny Gaudreau just once again did not have a good playoff run and it's just it's so frustrating because the team on paper looks so good that first line looks amazing and then you just you have Johnny Hockey not doing anything so yeah I mean theoretically like we could have chosen the first line as as just one player maybe made the first line the worst flame of the playoffs but you and neither you or I have, have Monaghan on our list. And I think, nope. you know, he kind of saved himself from being on our list just with how great of a, a series he had against the Jets. It's so weird that, like, if you go to the Flames website, pull up the stats page, Goudreau's third in points, and yet it is, like, universally so disappointing the playoffs he had. And I wonder – I would honestly want to know how he feels about it too. Like, I wonder – you know, he had seven points in ten games, but, you know, six of the seven came on the power play – like, does he care about that stuff? Or does he just say, hey, I had seven points in 10 games. Like, what more do you want from me kind of thing? Uh, I would love to get the truce theorem into Goudreau and, and just kind of, you know, yeah. understand how he actually feels about the playoffs. But, I mean, we've talked about it a lot, and everyone has as well, about just how much he disappeared at five-on-five five in the postseason. Um, so I went to nat- natural stat trick this morning to just, you know, purvey the stats one more time and kind of look at the graveyard. At five on five this postseason, Johnny Goudreau had one high danger chance for. Like that's the whole playoffs at five on five, one high danger chance for, which is unacceptable for Johnny Goudreau to have. Um, you know, it's the same number as Eric Gustafson, and I hate to keep using Gustafson as an example for this kind of things, but I mean, he's your third pairing defenseman. He should not be having more shots than Elias Lindholm and more, or the same high danger chances as Johnny Goudreau. Um, and then on the other side of this, if you want to look at the top flame. Dylan Dubé led the team in high danger chances these playoffs with 11. Uh, so Johnny Gaudreau, just one high danger chance, all playoffs. And then, you know, the six out of seven power play points, his one even strength point was an empty netter in game three against the Jets. So, I mean, like how much do we really, Right. you know, it's an empty netter. Like, come on. Um, yeah, we've kind of, it's a, it's beating the dead horse with yeah. Johnny Gaudreau. <laughs> so, you know, I won't get, too much more into it but like I said I would want to know so badly how he feels about these playoffs yeah and I mean like we've said a million times before that these are very weird circumstances for the playoffs 
but we still saw the same Johnny Gaudreau. Right. So. And no one else really, like, you can't, like, no one else is, I, I'm finding it hard to find another example of a, of a, of a team's first liner and their best offensive player mm-hmm. who is struggling as much as Gaudreau is. And yeah, you know, you're right. If this was one cold playoffs because of a pandemic out of, you know, if let's say Gaudreau had three great playoffs, but then this was the one where he was off. I mean, sure. Like we'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt and you know, it's everything's different for everyone and things kind of were tough to handle this year, but it's, it's not like it's, this is just another example of a bad playoff run and sure the circumstances were different, but um, the results were the same. So yeah, I'm sure we'll, well have five more months of this, which will be fun. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure we'll hear some trade rumors on Monday. Well, we already have him. Yeah. Oh, already wow. Have. Well, not rumors, but, but just like, I, I would say calls for him to be traded. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. There's no official like I'm Bradtree Living's not chopping him right now. That's not what I meant, but uh, I meant to say that there's a there's a big push I think in Calgary for a big change, and I think Goudreau is kind of the number one target for most fans. Wow. Right or wrong, I don't know if that's the right thing, but um, that's <laughs> at least how it feels. What are we now? Forty eight after forty eight hours yeah. after the disaster, so it still hurts for most Flames fans. Yeah, I guess so. But still ahead in the show, it's our last episode of the week, which means it's time for winners and losers of the week. Locked on Flames with Jess Belmosto and Sean Lavery continues. Don't forget to follow our show's Twitter feed at LO underscore flame. Another week where my favorite segment is just, I love it. I think it's great. That's... (laughs) I don't know. Winners and losers. It's yes. A, it's always a treat. Do you want to start us off then with your uh, winner of the week? My winner of the week is the Vancouver Canucks for taking down the defending Stanley Cup champions and moving on to the next round. Nice. It's always, yeah. I, you know, it's good to have a Canadian team advance. And, you know, Vancouver is obviously the last one remaining now. Yes. Uh, but I'm not buying into the cheering for the Canucks thing I almost no. hate the Canucks more than the Oilers like when I was a Flames fan mm-hmm. literally I had a good stretch of hating the Canucks way more than the Oilers so um, <laughs> I mean yeah you're right good for Vancouver it's nice to see them and they're actually a really good team like and they've turned yeah. it around fast like that the way they kind of retooled and they kind of went from having not much to just all of a sudden it's like Quinn Hughes Elias Pedersen bang 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 and it's like everything's coming together and it's quite the turnaround. Uh, so good for them. Yeah, that, that's worthy of a winner of the week for sure. Uh, but I'm not buying the cheering for them. Thing. <laughs> uh, my winner of the week will also be another Western Conference team advancing. I'm going to pick the Colorado Avalanche, um, just namely because of how they advanced. Like they killed the Coyotes back-to-back 7-1 wins to eliminate Arizona, which is, that's tough for, that's so humiliating. for the Coyotes. That would be, I mean, to have it happen once is insane, but um back-to-back that avalanche team looks so good and mm-hmm. uh, i think we're gonna have a fun western conference final probably regardless of how the matchup shake out so uh, we have some good series here to go how about the other side who is your loser of the week jordan bennington um he was pulled last night um after letting up i believe it was four goals and during his uh, playoff run he went 0 for 5 it's so tragic 
Uh, is Bennington kind of like a little too cocky for you? Like just yeah. the way he handles himself? And, you know, he totally deserves it given how last year's playoffs went and he mm-hmm. led the Blues to a cup. But like he kind of relaxed, like pull it back, in the, especially with the media. Like just, you know, right. he had that thing where it's like he was asked if he was nervous and he's like, do I look nervous? Like, all right, dude, like, come oh, God, on. We know you want a cup. That. Like, let's just pump the brakes here. Yeah. He does but... have a little bit of cockiness and maybe it got to him these playoffs. Yeah. And it's like he had one – good season right like (laughs) like you got to kind of have like a resume to back up that cockiness it's weird how this this is kind of almost a trend like you can pick up many examples of this where there's a young goalie who comes in plays really well in the playoffs for one playoffs Mm -hmm. and maybe goes to the cup final or even wins the cup but then the rest of their career is kind of you know so so um like you know cam Moore to be an example of this mm-hmm. michael layton when he brought the flyers to the cup final against the blackhawks he basically disappeared after that and then there's the other side where someone like carrie price is so amazing in the regular season but he hasn't had any playoff success like goaltending is just so bizarre and so weird the flames are gonna have a tough time finding a goalie obviously and it's yeah. it's tough to predict you know how things shake out uh, especially just given how much of a crapshoot it, it appears to be and who do you have on your losers? So my loser, we'll keep the goalie train running here. It's going to be <laughs> David Riddick. And it's not because he let in a bunch of goals in game six. It's just because he, he was the loser of the week because he got put in the crappiest situation of the week. And it was kind of really to no fault of his own that he hasn't played much hockey at all in the last few months. But um, for Jeff Ward to throw him in there, that would be a tough situation. And we saw obviously why it was a tough situation because he looked – you know, nervous and rusty and all those things. So um, not a great way for his season to end and no. kind of, you know, even on a bigger scale, not a great way for a season to end by losing, you know, what might've been his starting job as, as the Flames playoff goalie. But um, yeah, tough, tough week for big save Dave, who was maybe no save Dave. Yeah. And I like, that's such like a crummy situation to be put into. And it's like, Oh, I guess I have to go save my team and then you can't. Here's a question just to have fun with Flames fans for one second. If the Flames had won game six and David Riddick comes into a tie game and kind of shuts the door, who would they have started in game seven? (laughs) Like our podcast would have been what we always Uh, thought it was going to be by trying to predict the Flames starter every game. Yeah. That would have been. Oh, what could have been? What yeah, have been? seriously. How about your uh, shout out for the week, Jess? We do a winner, we do a loser, and then we also uh, just do a shout out. Doesn't have to be hockey related. Who do you have this week? I have two wonderful coworkers of mine, uh, Jen and Chanel, for writing amazing pieces this week in regards to tokenism in um, the media and how you know they are more than their disability. And I thought that it was really good and. Something that a lot of people need to read. Yeah, I, I saw you retweet those and um, definitely inspiring pieces. Yes. So always nice to give love and, and shout outs to, to co-workers doing great things. Um, awkwardly transitioned to my shout out. <laughs> uh, I was struggling with this one. And then two minutes or 10 minutes before we started recording, Nick Nurse was named the NBA coach of the year. Um, for my team now, the Raptors. Like now, that's all I have left is watching the Raptors in the NBA playoffs. You know, I'm not watching Blue Jays regular season baseball yeah. at the moment. So now that the Flames are out, all I have left would be, you know, the coach of the year, Nick Nurse and his Raptors, which is hopefully a defending champion level performance here. So um, they're starting the playoffs well. So 
I guess that's all I have left until the NFL comes back is watching the Raptors. Thanks, Flames, <laughs> for limiting my options now. Yeah, seriously. How selfish of them. <sighs> I don't want to watch the Canucks. I just can't. <laughs> I'm going to have to pick a team now to cheer for, and it's definitely not going to be the Canucks. I might cheer for the Avs. We'll see. Wow. Even after last year's elimination? Nathan McKinnon is just like so, so good. good. He's like, he's <laughs> so good. And I, if, I, if I need an excuse to watch him, it's just to, I guess, cheer for the ass. And I was born in Denver, so oh, okay. I can play so, that token card. And I don't yeah. know. It's a lame excuse, but there we go. <laughs> it works. But coming up next week, we start off our off-season look ahead as we'll break down which core pieces should be staying or leaving Calgary. Follow us on Twitter at Jessica Belmosto and Sean underscore Lavery. Be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app, and you will get the latest episode of Locked on Flames as soon as it's available each day. Don't forget to subscribe and listen to Locked on Canucks with Justin Morissette if you want to keep up with the last Canadian team alive in the NHL playoffs. We'll talk to you on Monday.